Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 11, Episode 9, titled, titled LADP. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one felonious co-host. From the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... To Taylor... What? Taylor, the latte boy. What's so confusing? <laughs> I have no idea what they just said, but that's it's fine. It's Plastique that's saying, nice. I'm not Japanese! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Taylor, I don't think, you know, for probably the first time in a very long time, I don't think you and I have spoken on all this week, really, have we? No, not at all. Barely in text messages. Yeah, I bet you Taylor's been happy about that. Yeah, but we don't have time to catch up now because we have a very full show. Good point, Taylor. Good point. That's a, I, I agree. This week, Brooke and Evie are relieved to see another week, and Silky doesn't think she can do anything differently. The library is open, and this time the girls read each other and also read right back. In the Maxi Challenge, it's a sketch comedy challenge, and the girls work in teams to bring their best Reno 911 realness. On the runway, the look was face Keeney fantasy, and Silky didn't beat her face. In the end, Akuria was named the winner of the challenge. Meanwhile, Vanjie and Plastique were placed in the bottom two and forced to lip-sync against each other for their lives. In the end, Vanjie was told, Shantae, you stay, while Plastique TR was asked to sashay away. Tell the latte boy, name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. This week was tough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This week, I I knew going in that this was never going to stay at the level as the la- of the last episode. Um, it, I was just kind of assuming it would be the lip sync that would not be at the level of last week's lip sync. But this week, it kind of felt it was hard to follow in that the editing was really, really weird this week. Like you sort of they were trying to kind of direct you to feel things you hadn't necessarily felt about characters yet or about some of the contestants. And then there were other people that. They were praising them for things that weren't that great and they weren't paying attention to people that were doing well. It, it, the whole thing was just, it was a very weird, weird episode this week. Um, two things that I liked were, I liked some of the performances for the LAPD. And the only other thing that I could think of was I liked Cheyenne Jackson's arms. They mm-hmm. were fun to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and his hairy legs too. That was Oh, that was that's like, right. The, you love hairy legs. I love hairy legs. And at one point they were, where Plastique is wrapped around his leg, I was kind of like, well, hello, nurse. Um, something I didn't like. There are many things that I did not like about this episode. The one thing, though, is the reading challenge was probably the worst reading challenge in the history of the show. It's so funny because I don't remember. I think it's the Hollywood Reporter or Boing Boing. I don't know. One of these magazines, right? They have someone who does uh, – it might even be Vice – who does a recap of RuPaul's Drag Race. And she was being kind of dragged online because she said it's one of the best reading challenges. The AV Club. Oh, the AV? Onion AV Club? Because I read it today when she said that. I was like, what? But okay. Yeah, Yeah. so it was the AV Club. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, she was saying it was one of the best ones in years. And I was like... Mm, I don't agree. Now, one one, one of the things I want to do right here, Taylor, before we address everything you said, is Mm -hmm. I got... A number of emails last week, okay, about the fact that Joanne Worley is still alive, (laughs) okay? 
Now, most of these emails... So, first of all, apologies to Joanne Worley. But uh, I... Who was a devoted fan of the show. Who was a devoted fan of RuPaul's Drag Race recap. I made the mistake, and I could have sworn I saw that she died last year. But apparently, she did not. And so... um, uh, apologies, I made a mistake, right? I make a, we, we do this show, we spout things off, and uh, I made a mistake. Yeah. And I got we, we literally got a lot of emails about this. Most of them were on either Twitter or Instagram, maybe via email or Patreon. And they were all like, love the show. Hey, Joe, FYI, Joanne Warren is alive. Except this one guy mm-hmm. emailed us at gmail, uh, dragracerecap at gmail.com. Did you see this email, Taylor? No, I, I just I saw. Is it the one line? Yeah. Email. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't see what your response is. He writes to me. He goes, Joanne Worley's still alive, and he goes, "Geez," and I go, <laughs> "Really, asshole? Sorry that I made a mistake." Everybody, I'm not mad that people point out I made a mistake. I was actually amused by it, right? People, people uh-huh. were nice. the like angry, angry. Oh, how dare you make a mistake? This show needs to be perfect at all times. So I just wrote something cunty back to him. I just said like, oh, I said first of all, I said we'll address this on the show, and then I said something along the lines of, uh, "Tip, what did I write, Taylor? I know you're looking at it right now. No, I can't see it. That's what I'm talking about. The way my email is set up, I can't oh. read." I, I can see some of your responses some of the times, mm-hmm. and other times I see a title to an email, but it says this email has no content. Yeah. Because I have it all set up through my mail app on my computer. So anyways, apologies to, to, to while I bring up the email, apologies to Joanne Worley, apologies to anyone who was hard-pressed because I uh, made a mistake and said someone was dead. Uh, for all the people who've never made a mistake ever in their lives, I'm so sorry that that happened. Uh, okay. So I wrote back, yes, we've heard. We'll correct it on the sh- next show. What an honor to get an email from the person who has never made a mistake in his life. I oh, bow to you, sir. Joe. Okay. Well, why is it such a cunty email? Like, look, people, and by the way, there are people who made fun of me, but they, they coupled it with something nice. It wasn't like, they didn't have that sense of anger that this guy had. Yeah. You know, I don't know why I was so angry. Angry that we got to join Worley. Um, cut to his name was Michael Worley. <laughs> her son. Okay, let's get to what you said. Um, so you really liked what again? Just in, uh, bo- Cheyenne Jackson's oh, arms. Oh, yeah, Cheyenne Jackson's legs. I should recognize that when you, yeah, yeah, his arms and his legs. Arms, arms and mm-hmm. legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked some of their performances in the LAP, D-B. LADP. Yeah, LADP. Thing. Um, okay, um, all right, I have a lot to say about these, but I guess I'll address, I guess I won't address Cheyenne Jackson's arms and legs, so yay for you. Um, and then on the thing you didn't like, you didn't like the reading challenge, we'll talk about that in the episode. Great, 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 yeah. great. All right, very good. After the double Shantae, Brooke isn't angry about being in the bottom, Evie is glad she held her own against Brooke, and Silky says there's nothing she can do to change in the competition. The next day, RuPaul entered the workroom to open up the library. Nina bombs, Plastique is forgettable, Vanjie makes no sense, Evie's alright, was Sugar even there? Brooke does well but copied her Mimi I'm first joke, Akira does the best but loses, and Silky goes batshit crazy. In the end, RuPaul named Brooklyn Heights the winner of the challenge, which gave her an advantage in the maxi challenge. Taylor the Latte Boy, 
what were your thoughts on the cold open and then uh, everything leading up to, I guess, the end of the reading challenge? What were your thoughts? It felt very that they were definitely telegraphing it in as far as that there was going to be an issue with Silky. My hope was that it had gone to the place where Silky, this was the week Silky got eliminated, but I, I guess not. But the whole thing of there's nothing I could do. I'm perfect. I'm doing exactly what I need to do. I'm not apologizing for it. And then got read to filth for her lack of eye makeup later on. You kind of knew that was going to be a, a major part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of anything else that happened in that first. Other, other just, It seemed very Silky focused. Or at least that's where my attention was, mm-hmm. which I know Silky on on the surface, I think Silky would like that, but not the way my attention was. They're making it increasingly more difficult to find anything likable about Silky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing when she's sort of this loud, bombastic, just over the top, which, you know, in portions can be handled. Mm-hmm. But when we're starting to get arrogant on top of that, that that's that to me that's a buy like you know you know need help packing queen because i i don't need i i don't need that on my tv so here's what i'm gonna say so i actually rewatched. did you get a chance to rewatch the episode the only thing that i rewatched was the ladp the skit the okay skits. so i got a chance to rewatch the episode actually and here's what's funny i have the i'm, I'm so over silky i just she just really bugs the shit out of me right Mm-hmm. But I will say, and this will happen in several points today, I have some mild, I don't know if I should say defenses of what she said, but I listened more closely and I got what she was saying, and it's a little more subtle. It's a little more subtle than what we think. So, for instance, at the top of the show, there's the part, now by the way, this comes up later, but in the cold open, when... Um, Akira asks, I believe it's Akira, you know, is there anything you can change? Anyone can change about the judge's critiques. Silky responds. And what she says is very, very interesting because she's actually right. The first thing she she goes, no. And the next thing she says, but she says so quick, you could miss it if you're just watching the show in a casual way. She Mm -hmm. says, I packed what I packed. And then goes on to say, you know, talk about, like, basically, essentially, there's nothing she can do. And then she tops it with, and I'm doing really well anyway, and clearly I'm not talentless. And so like, you you gloss over it. But she's right. I mean, what else? You know, they give them a list of the outfits they're going to wear. You get your outfits based on that list. What more, unless you have specific time to create a look or make a dress, what more can you do? Well, that's just it, though. If it's a situation, take, for example, Vanjie. But Vanjie's okay. a good example, yeah. Van- Vanjie brought the same amount of stuff mm-hmm. and had the whole thing of where she, you know, she's being read to filth on it. But in the when she started to panic about it, there is, as Evie said earlier in the season, there is there are rolls and rolls of of fabric Mm -hmm. that they can create something if they need to so if this is a situation it happens to be working out for silky to some degree that her looks are all what they like and and everything but in the in a a chance where she's going to have to make something that could that could really fuck her up i don't agree i don't think the judges are liking silky's looks i think silky's getting by completely on personality she generally scores pretty low on looks well okay but that okay yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is that 
it just came off as arrogant. I oh, mean, that, that's the whole thing. Of, I, I think in the beginning, there was sort of that. There, it came off as arrogant and it came off as rubbing your nose in it. Because mm-hmm. once again, you have a situation in which, and I again, I know that we've got a week to process this, but and this only happened within the course of a couple of hours. But you've still got that where she feels the need to throw that talentless word out mm-hmm. there after after Evie just almost got sent home. Yeah. Which just kind of feels like a punching down mm-hmm. sort of thing. Even though Evie and Brooke had the amazing had the amazing lip sync. I think that it gets to a point where you you know when you're making statements again, it's, this is my narrative is that, you know, they seem to really like me, so I'm not going to do anything to change, which I guess makes sense. However, what I'm hearing in that is, so if something changes, I, I, I don't need to listen anymore mm-hmm. because I've already got this figured out. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing, but that is not necessarily always going to apply in every single challenge. Mm-hmm. And that is when, if she, if she keeps with that level of arrogance, it's not going to, it's not going, it could potentially not suit her down the line. I think there's an element of that. Yes, I agree. But I mean, there is an element though of like, What's done is done. I mean, and and Vanjie is right. I, I, mean, get, I don't know how much time they get to actually make an outfit from scratch. I mean, that, that takes a long time. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, what about the reading challenge? You, you did not like the reading challenge at all. I think that it is time to retire the reading challenge. Okay. I think that uh, – I think the reading challenge should be something that is reserved for all-stars. Okay. I almost feel that way about Snatch Game too, mm-hmm. but I think that it's one of these that the girl. Well, okay, I, I'm going to say something and then completely contradict myself. All right, this is one of these things that the girls know that eventually, at some point, there is going to be the library, the reading challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so much like we saw with Snatch Game last week, you would expect them to come prepared, and it seemed very clear that this group of girls did not seem to be prepared for this challenge. There were very few jokes that landed. Um, and I know I listened to the first response this afternoon and the joke, the precious joke, I knew that joke. Right. Mean, like, yeah. It was, it was in a commercial and I've also seen it on, I've watched a couple of the haters roast videos online mm-hmm. um, and Trixie, I think says that joke too, or it's, I know it was a Mimi I'm first joke, but I feel like Trixie has said it I as well. I believe I remember, I know there was this controversy and you would hear it in the rumor mill about Mimi I'm first stealing a Jackie beat joke. But I remember in, I think in that controversy, I could be wrong. Jackie also sells jokes for the roasts. And for yeah. some reason, I remember somewhere reading that Jackie beat had originally written that joke. I could be wrong. Maybe, it, maybe Mimi I'm first really did create that joke. But if I remember correctly, I thought I remember reading that Jackie Beat wrote that joke and sold it to somebody. Yeah. I, well, and I know that there have been where people have, they've had writers work on jokes for them in the past. That's been the rumor that it's not all quite so off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, I don't know if it was execution. I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know if it's talent. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it just seemed very much like it was either crickets or we were laughing way too hard at things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've talked about, have I talked about on an episode of the show with you, the, the Andrew Dice Clay video? No. Have we talked about, okay. 
I, I will make this quick. So back when I was in college, back when Blockbuster Video was still around in the 90s, we would, a bunch of us that lived in the dorms, me and me and a couple of other of my dorm mates, we would all occasionally go to Blockbuster Video. We would rent videos. And one of the things that we got into the habit of doing was we got into the habit of renting um, stand-up like stand up specials, stand up compilations, that kind of stuff. We would watch those. Mm-hmm. And on one of them, we rented, we rented it specifically because it had Andrew Dice Clay on it. And this was back in like 91, 92, mm-hmm. when he was still, a, he was starting to, the downward trajectory, but this, he was a big deal at this point. So we watched this video and it's all of these stand ups with the typical, with the curtain behind them and the microphone and the crowd. And then all of a sudden, there is this like skit type thing of where he comes and he's talking to somebody that is clearly supposed to be either the owner of the nightclub or some guy. And the guy's got like two girls that are in like bikinis, like on like with his arms around each of their waist and dice walks into the room and starts saying all of these jokes, but he's saying them really fast. And he's like, just kind of like, like going through them super, super fast. And this guy is doing this, like, laughing too hard at the jokes and the girls are kind of laughing because he's laughing and it was where it wasn't funny and then dice just kind of was like all right guys i gotta go puts a cigarette in his mouth and he walks out like the whole thing was like of this 90 minute thing it was like maybe a three minute skit but they had him where he was front and center on the cover a lot of these particularly silkies felt like that where Everybody was la- – because she was horrible. She was just screaming. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Rue thought it was hysterical. So all the rest of them standing there felt like they had to laugh at it too. Mm-hmm. It was It was just not – it was just not good. I got good. the sense that they were laughing because they didn't know what the fuck she was doing. Like they know her. They're with her. And like, they're like, what is going on? I think they were just – by the ridiculousness of it, that's why they were laughing. That's the sense that I got. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, this was definitely where she said at one point, you know, this is the first time that I think I've ever seen pe- the readers get read back at them, where it almost became a heckling type thing. Yeah, but it was funny. It was the same joke. It was weird. Like, like okay, for instance, Sugar says a joke to Silky, like, you know, you're Silky, but you're this Silk has an expiration date, or this milk has an expiration date, or something like that, right? Yeah. And what the joke being is that you're going to go home soon, and then... Silky goes, well, you have an expiration date. You're going to go home. And you're like, that is literally the joke she was saying. And same thing with the Akira. What are you resting on? That was a decent one back. But like, but it was still, the, it was the same joke. Yeah. Well, just, I feel like there were three plastic tiara instead of plastic tiara jokes. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I think I, as I said previously in this season, Mm-hmm they got to do something to mix it up for the next contestants. Mm -hmm. The contestants are getting too much where they know, or they think they know what the challenges are and what they need to do to, again, I just have to make it to snatch game. Mm -hmm. I just have to make it to the reading challenge. I just have to make it to the final four. You know, it's, there isn't, I'm not seeing hunger. I'm not seeing drive. I'm not seeing anybody talk about, how much they want the crown, you know, as much as I was never a big fan of hers in mm-hmm. season seven, that was something Violet Chachki seemed super, super focused on. I want to be the winner, not I want to be able to, you know, up my fee 
for going into clubs, not I just want to make it onto like a haters roast or something. I want to be America's next drag superstar. So like her or not, you have to respect that. I am not seeing that with any of these girls. They're all just kind of they're there because they know this is going to up their publicity. This is going to up their name. So what did it do with the reading challenge? You like the because reading challenge? Because I used, used to love the reading challenge. The reading challenge was one of those things that I really, really loved. And there are certain there are there are jokes from season two that I remember. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you anything, any of the jokes from last night, except for the ones that I'd already heard in previous YouTube videos that I'd seen. Yeah, and obviously we're going to get to uh, uh, Brooke, but this is case number one of Brooke being a joke thief. Okay. Yeah. And let me make this point now, because in my head, even though it's it, the joke is more relevant later on, but I don't want to I don't want to forget it. Is you know we have an Instagram account that is um, managed by one of our listeners named Stephen Starling. He does, I would say, five or four or five days of the week. He posts those posts, right? But I do about three of them, okay. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I would say about one third of the t- uh, two thirds of the time, it's just a a post that I saw on Reddit that I thought was really funny. I would say I create one of three of them, and then the other two are Reddit posts that I go to such great lengths to make sure they get credit. It's on the actual meme. I mention it in the notes. Uh, in the comments, you know, I want to make sure that the, the, the person gets the original credit, whoever came up with that joke, right? Right. And I didn't see any evidence, and this will become important later with the, with the level five vegan joke, that Brooke had any interest in doing that. And like, so I really do. Now, by the way, she, but I haven't seen on social media her addressing this at all, okay? I know that no. if, 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 if I would have said this on the show and they edited it out, I would have gone on Twitter and Instagram immediately and been like, hey, guys, big props to the Simpsons that I stole their joke or big props to Mimi I'm First or Jackie Beat. I use this joke. X, Y, Z. Actually, I think in the commercial, Thorgy says the joke. I don't remember who says the joke on on, uh, on the commercial. But the point yeah. is there's been nothing. She's just been quiet as if she created the joke and it frustrates me. There's nothing more heinous in comedy than being a joke thief. That's why everyone hates Lloyd Roddenkamp. Okay. <laughs> we're This This is actually something we're going to go back to. Mm-hmm. Th- this, th- what you are saying mm-hmm. when we get to the looks because there was something similar happened with the looks this week that I've been following that kind of shows the juxtaposition of how Brooke is handling this versus another queen in the competition. I know who you're talking about. Can't wait to hear it. Now, a couple of things here. To me, for my money, I'm not saying it was great. To me, Akaria was the winner, not Brooke. To me, Akaria was funnier than Brooklyn Heights. That's just for my money. I don't know what your opinion is. I remember Akaria. I chuckled a couple of times at things that Akaria said. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you when any of those jokes were. I didn't say you could. I'm just saying of the, of the ones that were there was the best. Also, mm-hmm. did you notice... They didn't show Evie and Silky yep. reading each other. Yes, I did notice that too. They did I, not I, show. I was going to bring that up as far as I wonder if they either – maybe they chose not to read each other mm-hmm. or what. But yeah. it, it, it that, that, that did not go – because I was almost waiting for that. I, that was almost you, – you wanted to see the reactions yeah. because they've done that in the past with – with other queen, you know, Ben and Darian reading mm-hmm. each other and with um, 
trying to think Thorgy and Bob reading each other, mm-hmm. uh, Aquaria and Cracker when they mm-hmm. were still kind of competitive with one another reading each other. So mm-hmm. to not show that felt like a, a letdown. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. All right, for this week's Maxi Challenge, the girls will be performing in an improvised comedy sketch titled LADP. It stands for Los Angeles Drag Patrol. The girls will be working in teams of two in various scenes. As the winner of the mini challenge, Brooke got to assign the teams, and she assigned them as follows. Uh, Brooke, Lynn Heinz, and Nina West, and they were doing Indecent Exposure at the Trailer Park. We had uh, Vanessa Vanji Mateo and Plastique Tiara in A Catfight at the Liquor Store. We had a Curious E. Davenport and Evie Oddly in Twerking Girls Corner Disturbance. And we had Silky Nutmeg Ganache and Sugar Cane in Back Alley Butt Pads. All right. In the workroom, Nina and Brooke talk about their roles. Nina wants to play against type, but Brooke is too nervous to take any risks. Nina reluctantly agrees to play the type. During the table visits, RuPaul entered the workroom and talked to each of the teams. Silky doesn't think she can top herself, while Sugar knows she hasn't done well in acting challenges. Plastique is not going to do a Vietnamese accent, while Vanjie is going to try to give her character an emotional arc. Ru calls Evie out on her terrible snatch game, and Akaria worries Brooke about whether Akaria can bring the energy. Finally, Ru calls out Brooke about her terrible snatch game performance, while Nina has to bring all of her experience and energy to this performance. Oh yeah... And Akuria is angry that Brooke may have said she doesn't have a personality. A lot here, Taylor. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the idea for the challenge of like a sketch comedy challenge? I love the idea of it. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of it. And I think that a couple of the skits were actually successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I It's been a while since we've seen a skit like that or a, a challenge like this, mm-hmm. which is skits, particularly skits outside of the studio. Mm-hmm. you know, where they kind of had to do day drag. There is something slightly uh, not racist, but there is where there, there there's like the jokes about hookers and there's the, there is something kind of old school drag humor about this, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I get you also <laughs> that well seems to be still full of something for Rue. So, um, I, it was I I enjoyed the idea of it. I did enjoy the idea of it. What do you think? Um. Okay. First of all, I want to start with a conspiracy theory. Okay. Last week, I said, you know what? I don't think that this double chante was planned. It's because it was really genuine, and it was worth it. Right? They deserve double Shantae. Yet the following episode, they need eight queens in four challenges. Oh. Now, I was thinking about this. Now, hold on. Hear me out, though. There is a workaround for this. There is a workaround. Mm -hmm. Everyone should know when you're doing television or movies... Nothing is done on the fly. So a lot of times TV shows, not a lot of times, this is the way it is. Television shows and movies have a very long pre-production period. That's when all the logistics for what's going to happen get sorted out. They rent props. They do, you know, they set up locations. They hire actors or extra, everything, everything. They don't do anything on the fly. The only thing that happens when they're shooting is that they execute everything that got planned in the pre-production. Nothing is left to chance. All right. 
Yeah. Because it takes weeks to get that shit. I will say, I will say, of the four challenges, one of them seemed like one that they could whip together. So it could have been that maybe there were originally only going to be three sketches, okay, mm-hmm. and there was going to be a third person in one of those sketches. I couldn't. It probably could have been the cat fight in the alley or the liquor store, or whatever. I was going to say the twerking girl. They could have had three twerking girls. They could have had three twerking girls. You're right. Yeah. Okay. But no, but the reason that didn't make sense to me, though, is, hear me out, is the other three had elaborate props. So the back alley butt pads had a car, it had the butt pads, had all kinds of props. Chicken, you know, ironing, an iron, you know. So that one was probably planned from the beginning. The the naked person, that had a whole trailer and a set and everything. Boom. Done. Right. Cat fight in the alley. They could have just used one of the sets on the that on the lot, right? And just made it look like a liquor store. Maybe there was an existing liquor store or something on the set, or maybe there's some sort of commissary. Yeah, well, there was a, definitely a sign that was made called Kitty Liquors. Oh, really? Okay, that, so that, that, that takes, was made that takes, for the front. That, but now you could whip that together. So I think you're right. Is either, but Twerking Girls had nothing. It was just a. Uh, they could have. They could have found a location. It was right outside. Right outside the studio. Boom, done, instant. They could do it. They could whip it together. That's why I think Twerking Girls could have been whipped together. Mm-hmm. Okay, without much pre-production planning. But but or it also could be <laughs> they always plan to have a double chante at some point, and then this one was just worth it. I don't know. Conspiracy theory. What do I know? Okay. Um, okay, we're, we're, but this, so this, these were your thoughts on the challenge, correct? Now, what about, let's talk about the moment uh, where Nina and Brooke are talking about their roles. And Nina wants to play against type. Nina wants to be the person who's sunbathing. And then Brooke is supposed to be the one who comes out of the trailer park. And then Brooke's really nervous. So Nina, to be nice, you know, switches back to what Nina, to the, to the play with type. What were your thoughts on that moment? It comes back later, but what were your thoughts? Well, I think initially you could tell Nina was slightly disappointed yeah. that she wanted to do, she wanted to do something that was maybe a little outside the box and just mm-hmm. the comedic value of being a larger person, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, kind of being this this naturalist. Um, I mean, I think that it worked out. That's one of those skits that I think could have worked either way, mm-hmm. whether it had been that either of them were the nude sunbather. You got. I mean, you obviously got Brooke kind of doing her thing with all of the the dance moves and that kind of thing. But I think had it been a larger gal that was out there smearing suntan lotion or sun oil or whatever on her, that that, that still would have been funny. And that Brooke could have played the the harried woman who's has this naked person on her front lawn. I thought Nina as as the the homeowner with the Reba McIntyre hair when and the the barefoot contessa shent thing going on i thought that that was she did really really well with that but Mm -hmm. i think either one of them could have gone either way it just given given brooke's recent uh failure at snatch game i can see where brooke would be a little bit scared but that could have bit her in the ass too that could have definitely bit her in the ass that they could have said you played it too safe well okay you're right. I think it would have been very funny to play against type. I think it would have been funnier. But I'll, we'll get to that when we get to the actual, actual sketch. Now, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is they show uh, – uh, back to Brooke assigning the roles. They show us a, a shady confessional spot with Evie where she says, well, obviously Brooke 
uh, rigged it to her advantage. <laughs> right? And I was like, yeah, dummy, this is a competition. What did you expect <laughs> her to do? And she, and Brooke could have been really shady and put Evie and Silky together. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Yeah. You're right. She could have. And I also think it's shady what she did, too. She should have put Vanjie with Silky. Why? Because Silky's better. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I could see. So anyway, we'll get back to the logic. All right. So now we go to the table visits, right? RuPaul enters. Did you have any thoughts on any of the table visits? No, not really. I mean, I think the the really the one that sticks in my mind is where Brooke was kind of explaining why she did what she did. And mm-hmm. she's, she pretty much said, I wanted there to be at least one strong contender in each group. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I saw, I think it was online, that there was a Team Brittany performer in each of the groups. So, and that was her, that was her mindset was that somebody from that winning, that's why she did that. So it's almost, she was going out of her way, not going out of her way, but she was trying to not be shady to anybody in doing that. And when she made the statement about the personality and Akira kind of made the face, I didn't hear, I I have a feeling that Brooke misspoke. No, I don't think she she said, okay, when she said high personality to somebody that is a, she said something that it wasn't no personality, but like she said something like lacking in personality or lower personality. So, but I can see where energy, I think she meant like like high energy versus low energy. Right. So um, I think that was just a curious getting in her feelings. I I sort of feel like it was a, it, it wasn't meant to be a read. I think mm-hmm. it was Brooke strikes me as somebody that when Rue talks to her in these table visits, it gets very nervous. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who occasionally gets nervous and says the wrong words, that might've been what was going on with Brooke. But here's what I'm going to tell you. What? This Akaria is not good at interpreting things. Clearly she misinterpreted no. uh, Plastique's family in the video. And when it reported mm-hmm. it over to Raja, Brooke never said I put Evie with Akaria because Evie has a lot of personality and Akaria doesn't. What does it tell you about Akaria's mental state when she assumes she's the low personality one? Yeah. No, you're right. Brooke never said Akaria's the low personality one. She's like, no personality? I'm like, no one ever told you, Akaria, that you have no personality. <laughs> she just, you, I would have, someone who would have been like, oh, maybe it's Akaria. Maybe it's Evie, you know? Yeah. But like, she immediately jumped to that it was her. So I think well, but that, that was a no win because if she had said something like she said something like she said, then that immediately looks as shady. Mm-hmm. If they had, if because you know they ask him about this shit in confessionals. Mm-hmm. If she said something like, "Well, clearly I'm the stronger personality," then she looks delusional compared mm-hmm. to Evie Oddly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so I don't know. Um, okay, I wanted to say a couple of things. One, I want to talk about Rue talking to Sugar Kane, and she tells Sugar Kane. That in diva worship, um, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you weren't that good in diva worship, right? Now, Sugar King wasn't on the winning team. But if you remember diva worship, she's one of the co-hosts with Scarlet Envy. And if yeah. memory serves, right? If memory serves, Sugar King was okay, right? It was sugar, like Scarlet was going crazy and everybody else was a big fucking hot mess. But if you actually think of who was good in that challenge, yeah, I wouldn't have put Sugar near the bottom at all. She had huge hair, if I remember correctly. And she and was trying I, to rein it in, if I remember. 
Yeah, she was she was she was controlled. Mm-hmm. There was a control to her that some of the other ones just didn't have it. So Rue's reading her for Diva Worship. I'm like, I don't remember. Her, I remember her, being, if anything, being invisible. But I wouldn't say she was bad, you know. Well, but she was also sort of forgettable. Well, that's I mean, that's Sugar Cane's problem. Because wait till you see yeah. tomorrow's Instagram meme, right? So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. Uh, also, now, this is going to be a bigger issue later. Maybe I should save it. But I'm going to So for those of you who are wondering about why didn't we talk about the you know there's been a controversy taylor with people have been coming for silky with the same something japan uh vietnamese the japanese to a vietnamese person okay mm-hmm. and we'll talk about this because we're going to have a larger discussion about race later and also this is obviously going to be a topic that we go into in some detail on the rumor mill where there's actually people of color including myself on the on the rumor mill right and i'm going to go somewhere dangerous i don't want to go too deep into it because but I do, I do think it's important. Like I said, that we call balls and strikes on this show, at least for I, that I do. I'm finding some very problematic things with the fandom, and particularly with the way Akaria, and to some degree Silky. But it's tricky with Silky because Silky's really just playing a version of herself. Where, well, also Silky doesn't really come down on plastic that much. I'm, I'm burying the lead. Is I don't know how comfortable I am with Akaria constantly being shown. I'll give her the I'll give her this. It's the editors doing it, but with the show constantly showing Akaria criticizing Plastique for relying on the Vietnamese or the Asian stereotype character. When I feel every acting challenge that Akaria is in, she relies on a black stereotype character, and because that stereotype amuses RuPaul. In a way that I don't necessarily has the best intentions. It's praised while, and now don't get me wrong, I think it's lazy for Plastique to rely on the Asian stereotype. Mm-hmm. It's no different from what Akaria Davenport does. You know, and so right here, in here, Rue, what I think is weird is when Rue is talking to Plastique, she pretty much tells her, all right, you've done the, the Asian stereotype twice. We're done. We've seen it. Yet, later, encourages. So, you know what? I won't even hold it against Akaria. Because Rue straight up told her. She named three YouTube uh, viral videos that involve black people from lower socioeconomic standing and the things that they say. Right? And Uh Taylor's nervously looking at the chat room. And so... uh, (laughs) And encourages encourages Akuria to pursue those stereotypes that we see in those videos. So she encourages encur wait encourages Akuria. No, am I saying that right? Encourages Akuria to pursue those stereotypes, blow those stereotypes up. Yet comes down on Plastique for playing up to those stereotypes. And this is the first time we see it. It'll be more important later. But uh, I just wanted to address that now. And then, okay, so there we go. So any other thoughts on the on the workroom, on the table visits, all that? No, no, everything's fine. All right, so we're good. We're good with then the the table visits. We're done. You said, yep. Everything's been said that it needs to be said. All right, perfect. All right, now, you know, you know what? I'm gonna do. This, I'm gonna do something very unusual, which is weird. I'm gonna take the break right here, actually. Okay. So we'll be back right after this. We're back. <laughs> okay. 
All right, let's talk about LADP. The first one up we have is Back Alley Butt Pads, starring Silky Nutmeg Ganache and Sugar Cane. In Back Alley Butt Pads, the police are called over to investigate a woman selling black market butt pads. Silky does well, while Sugar Cane was underwhelming as a disgruntled customer. Your thoughts on this sketch, Taylor? Um, well, I mean, it was a whole lot of Silky and not a lot of Sugar. Mm-hmm. And which is ironic. <laughs> Insert diabetes joke here. Um, oh no, gosh. When our friend Mike Lawson hears this, I later, know I, so I did that specifically for Mike. Um, it, 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 it was a lot of silky. So I think you can tell how I felt about it. It was, it was just not, it was not super good. Uh, I think that if sugar had been able to flesh out her character more, mm-hmm. It would have been better if there had been a little bit more balance to it. I think it would have been a little more better, a little more better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that it was just it was it was it was silky being silky, which is being loud, overbearing, and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Um, you know, it's one of these things where silky did do well. Don't get me wrong; she was funny. She sold it. She committed to the character. But, and you know what? I will give Silky that she made that sketch actually funny. Okay? At times. There were, there were some very funny parts to it. I think that's why they placed it at the top of the, of the four. But what I don't understand is why, maybe it's because I ran out of people, I feel Sugar did as well as someone who's not trained in sketch or improv could do in a situation where you have a person who's overbearing and loud taking over. Okay. Yes. yes I agree with that, which is why I think she was safe, which is why I think she wasn't on she the was bottom. She was in the bottom three. Sugar was in the bottom three. Sugar was in the bottom three. It was Sugar Vanjie. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're Musk. right. You're absolutely right. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. That's part of the reason why Sugar did not have to lip sync. Okay, I think because they recognized who she was up against. You know, I guess my problem with this is improv. And now I am clearly not a comedian. I only really know from comedy from what I've heard you talk about and from what I have just seen, having experienced various medium media with comedy but things improv is really kind of about give and take and improv is about supporting your fellow players yes. is that correct well, I, I, okay this is more of a lori question i've never really done sketch or improv but yes i know a little bit about it and yes okay well that's kind of has been my take on improv is that if it's just one person up there and everybody kind of standing around them then it's not really then it's just sort of watching a, a monologue with helpers yeah. kind of thing so in that regard when you compare it to, for example, a compare it to compare that skit to another successful skit, which would be Akira and Evie. Mm-hmm. Akira and Evie were definitely playing off of each other, and they were each taking, you know, where when she made the comment about Marky Mark, and and th- they, they played back and forth. Whereas anytime Sugar was trying to talk, Silky was screaming over her. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like with the Bitchler, where you had where it was Trixie and Milk, mm-hmm. and every time Milk, every time Trixie was trying to say something, Milk was and it, it was that it was that same dynamic. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I remember that very well. Yeah. So yeah. in that regards, that is why I think that I think sh- if Sugar had been given an opportunity 
I think it she could have been even better. I think it could have been. She was a character that I wanted to know more about, which she's talking about that she was the reverend's wife that was a widow and now she had a young man and all that kind of thing. But then I think she became so flustered by the fact that she couldn't talk, couldn't flesh it out, that she became almost confused at that point. And it became very much where you're like, wait, what's going on with this person now? I don't understand what's happening. Well, what's funny is if I remember correctly, Milk was criticized for that right which yeah i don't know if that's the episode milk went home but that was seen as a as a criticism for milk during that challenge and uh but yet silky makes rupaul laugh but this should have been a criticism for silky for this challenge that, i yes, agree silky was very funny but she didn't allow sugar to have a chance to have any say whatsoever see and you keep saying silky i don't think silky was funny at all it was funny i i why why was it funny i don't know why i thought you know she was just handled things so well like the part where the cop pulls up and she even says like oh another customer gonna get that government money i don't know why i thought that was so funny when the part when she was looking for what kind of butt pads Fortune would use, I thought was funny. When she was talking about the kind of butt pads that uh, Cheyenne's wife would wear. I don't know. I felt everything that Silky said was very funny. Now, did it play into well, Silky's sh- character? Silky. 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 Silky showed it. Silky sold it. Yeah. And in that regards, but selling it and doesn't and be, it being funny, I think are two different things. But I talked it about just this, felt I very think, silky to me. I talked about this. I don't know if it was in the first response or on at one of the billion shows that I do about how there are comedians who can sell very mediocre jokes by just slamming it with attitude. Okay, and right. Silky can do that. Silky can make funny by just make it funny by just slamming it with attitude. Would may, may, the joke itself may not have been that funny, but she did it. Now, was she, but how is Sugarcane supposed to wrestle control of the sketch from Silky? Cheyenne Jackson couldn't even put her in the car by his own admission. They had to like legit wrestle her to get in the car. Now that shows commitment on her end, but. Yeah. It shows you that, like, how if the person's willing to like actually fight the actors to not get in the police car, how is Sugar going to get in there? Well, but that's, and that's the problem. That's the problem is that you would hope, and maybe this is just the way my brain works. But if you see Silky, if you see Sugar struggling, if Silky sees Sugar struggling, wow, mm-hmm. try saying that five times fast. You would hope Silky would do something to help bring Sugar up mm-hmm. and to help kind of have that thinking about, you know, while it was a scripted thing and it wasn't an improv, when you think about Bianca and Trinity, when they had to do the I'm a, I'm a street walker and I'm a working mom, like we're both walker, you know, we're both working women sort of thing for some commercial. And at one point, Trinity was having a hard time. And I always remember Bianca standing there and she goes, you got this, bitch. I remember saying that. Now, granted, that was just trying to, to support an actor and it wasn't in the moment, but I feel like there's something Silky could have done to try to bring Sugar up a little bit more than she did. You're right, but is that surprising with Silky's personality? No, and, no, well, and that's why I don't like Silky. Yes, but then are you going to extend that to Brooke? Because Brooke did the exact same shit this week. No, and I think Brooke, I think it was – there's a difference there. There is a why? difference. I, I agree it's shitty on both – I agree it's shitty on both sides. How, however – I think the difference with Brooke is, I think Brooke, this is not her show. When you compare, okay, the difference is that with Brooke, I almost feel like Brooke got. 
Well, let's, let, let, you know what? Why don't we jump in? That's the next one. Okay. It's Indecent Exposure at the Trailer Park with Nina West and Brooklyn Heights. In Indecent in Exposure at the Trailer Park, the, poli- the police, I can't talk, the police respond to a call of Indecent Exposure. When they arrive, Brooklyn Heights is sunbathing nude. She uses her dance moves for some reason and works so much with the cops that she fails to give Nina her cue. Nina exits the trailer on her own initiative and the scene starts and then I don't know what happens. Brooke didn't live there. Did they make love? Taylor, your thoughts on now. Continue your thoughts here on Indecent okay. Exposure Trailer Park. It feels like the difference is that with Brooke not being a comedian, mm-hmm. Brooke got lost. It feels like Brooke got lost in all of the stuff, whereas Silky, it felt more like she sort of knew what she was doing. And I think that Brooke di- maybe didn't realize how long she was going before she said the Q word or just whatever whatever it was but there there feels like it wasn't at, i i don't think brooke was doing it deliberately whereas i feel like silky was focused on silky to folk fo- silky was focused on herself to, to to she didn't she didn't care about sugar i think that eventually when when nina came into the Nina came into the um, skit, they worked off of each other. There was no, Silky was never going to let Sugar work with her. It was all about Silky. Whereas I feel like Brooke just kind of got lost in things. And then once Nina came in, it was almost like a reminder of, oh shit, yeah, I'm supposed to be working with her on this. Mm-hmm. Um, You see, okay, I disagree with you. I think you're being an apologist for Brooke. From what I'm seeing from what Brooke did is and I can only relate to stand-up comedy. But a lot of times, especially one of the most grievous errors you could do as a, or uh, or as insulting horrible things you can do as a comic is doing something called running the light. So when you're doing stand-up, let's say they give you 10 minutes, unless you ask otherwise, at around 9 minutes, the person running the show will give you a light. And that light right. means you have a minute. It's not a hard minute, it just means you know the joke you're on? Wrap it up, right? Yeah. Finish your joke, get the fuck off, okay? Right. And you have comedians, especially newer comedians, who will, even though some veterans do this too, uh, that are like, I'm doing fucking well. I'm just going to run the fucking light. I'm just going to run the motherfucking light. And who gives a fuck about anybody else on this show? I'm going to run the motherfucking light. I'll do as much fucking time as I want. I'm killing. I'm not going to just get off the stage. I'm going to go. And I felt that's what Brooke was essentially doing. I don't know what the equivalent is in sketch. Maybe Lori in the chat room can tell us. But I got the equivalent. She was running the light. She got in there. And, okay, Taylor's laughing. What happened? Lori just made a horrible joke in the chat room. I'll tell you later. Okay. So, I like how Lori's doing her own show, her own performance. I used to she's answering questions. She's doing no, whole, she's not answering questions. She's doing but a whole appearance in the chat thing. room. Okay. So, anyway, uh, what Brooke essentially did, by the way, if you're on Patreon, you get an alert. It doesn't matter what level. You could be on a dollar Patreon supporter or $3. It doesn't matter. You get an alert whenever we go live. Mm-hmm. And you would be seeing Lori do the Lori Roggenkamp show in the chat room right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lori Roggenkamp, I'm sorry, Brooklyn Heights was essentially got on there, was nervous, landed up doing well, okay? And so she starts essentially running the light, taking up the energy, because she didn't, I don't know if she's not, now, I don't know if this part's intentional, but she doesn't let Nina, she doesn't give Nina the cue to come in. 
Okay, she doesn't give Nina the cue that's necessary to come in because Brooke is also not a team player. Brooke does not play as well with the team either. Brooke, and that's the difference, is Bianca is a team player. Bianca Del Rio was a team player. Brooke and Silky, as we've seen many times, now Brooke, I don't know, for whatever reason gets a pass, are in it for themselves. There's no team player here with this thing. Taylor, any thoughts on that before I move on to the next topic with Brooke? I, I, I can see that point. It just the, the energy with with the two of them felt different to me. Okay, so now let's move on to the, um, an even more egregious part is uh, Brooklyn Heights stealing. I'm going to say I'm going to call it stealing a joke from The Simpsons. At one point, uh, uh, I can't remember if it's Fortune Feimster or Cheyenne Jackson. They ask her something, and she calls herself. Now she says a level four vegan. She doesn't right. eat anything that casts a shadow. And I remember thinking, "Huh, that sounds really familiar." Well, it is because it's from The Simpsons. Uh, I don't have my phone on me. It's like season eight, episode twelve, or something. I think something. I could be wrong there. But here is the joke. Actually, I pulled it from The Simpsons. Here we go. The Earth is the best. That's why I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> well, that's a start. Uh, well, um, I was thinking of going vegan. <laughs> I'm a level five vegan. I won't eat anything that casts a shadow. Wow. That I mean that's literally the joke. Almost yeah. for a word, right? Now, mm-hmm. by the way, look. Now she's done this twice in this episode. Now you're saying, well, maybe well, no, 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 no. Now, I'm okay, going- well, I'm not saying get mealy mouth like that. That's yeah. Okay, but the point okay. is later on this Natasha Leone calls out that joke to Brooklyn Heights and says to her, that was a really funny joke. And Brooklyn Heights just nods and is like, almost like, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe, like I said earlier, maybe she did say something right there. We've seen that in the past, you know, where the, they didn't show it. But, like, for instance, it happened with Aja during All-Stars 3. I don't remember what it was. But Aja then went on social media the next day and says, guys, we actually, I don't remember what it was. I actually really blah, 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 blah. Uh, from what I've seen so far before, as of taping, Brooke has not mentioned it. Brooke has not brought it up. Thank you. And so, and yeah. so, like, I think it's egregious. I think she's a joke thief. And I think it's horrible what she did. And, she th- and we're going to get back to this again during Elimination Day, how smug she is. Wasn't a big fan of Brooklyn Heights this episode. Not a big well, fan. Okay, and that's what I'm talking about with the editing, was that this feels – this felt very much like a – They've wanted us to – it feels like they've wanted us to love Brooke so far, the previous eight episodes. And then all of a sudden you kind of get this weird – like when the, when Nina's freaking out after after they do the skit the, as they're getting ready for the, for the runway. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of painting Brooke as this like Machiavellian, like scheming, I think we're great, I think I'm good, like this really confident – it it was weird. I'm like, why are they doing that? Why are they painting book like this right now? I don't, I don't get it. But okay, I don't completely disagree with you on this. There's just parts of it that I think that I respectfully disagree with you. Yeah, because Brooke is white and Silky's black. All right, let's talk about cat fight in front of a liquor store. The cops are called to a cat fight in front of a liquor store. When they arrive, Vanjie and Plastique are literally in cat suits fighting. No one knows why they're fighting. It doesn't make much sense. Plastique slips into a Vietnamese accent, even though she said she wouldn't. It's a mess. Taylor the Latte Boy, your thoughts on this sketch? It was bad. It was just bad from the beginning. It was just a lot of screaming and... And it was, it was just, it was horrible. 
It was absolutely horrible. The the one part that I thought that she could have really sort of sold it was at one point when I think Vangie pours some of the milk out. Mm-hmm. If if Plastique had actually licked some of the milk up from the, from the ground. That was really the only thing that I think, and it wouldn't have saved it, but it would have been, it, she would have, she would have shown commitment on her part. But I mean, like Vanjie said, she goes, she started hugging her hard, started hugging Cheyenne as soon as she could. And we said that was the cue for, if you don't know, if you, if you go blank, just do that. So it was just, it was really, really bad. And it was just screaming. Like you didn't really know what was going on through most no of the. I couldn't tell you a thing of what happened in that sketch. Yeah. Do you know why they were fighting? Something about a man, but it's something about milk. Something about she stole my milk, but then you stole my man. And then they were fighting over the milk. And then it just turned into where I'm going to I'm going to be famous on Broadway. I'm going to be on Cats, but the other one's from the hood. And it just was not. It was awful. Now, let me yeah. ask you this question. What did you think about the? It comes up later, but right here, your thoughts about her slipping into that Vietnamese accent. I honestly didn't even hear it. I, I because again because it's just screaming. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, she says something, and then they show Silky and Akira looking at each other, yeah. and Akira making the "When all else fails, go Asian." Mm-hmm. And that that then I so I watched it again today, and that's when I heard the Asian accent. Yes, I didn't even hear it. I heard it the first time. Now that this Akira. Look, I'm I'm against all races today. What what the, we're gonna see in her sketch right now? Who is she to say when all else fails, play up to the Asian stereotypes? Do you want to comment on this white man tailed latte boy? It's oh no, twerking girls in corner disturbance. Akira and Evie, Akira, C. Davenport, and Evie are oddly are fighting over a corner where they twerk. They fight in front of they fight in front of the cops for a while before they both realize they're mother and daughter, and then they're arrested and they twerk. Your thoughts on this sketch, Taylor? I thought it was hysterical. As a white man, I thought watching two black queens scream and yell at each other was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's kind of racist. I love minstrel shows. <laughs> Jamila Zara, co-host. That was Taylor <laughs> the Latte Boy saying that, not me. I clear. I thought it was funny. I thought mm-hmm. it was. I I enjoyed seeing Akira in particular do something outside of the box. We, I feel like you know, for as much as she took offense to the comment, mm-hmm. meant or not, as far as not showing a lot of personality mm-hmm. and not and staying very controlled because of the fact that she's a you know, comes from pageants, mm-hmm. watching her kind of really kind of play into this and doing things was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. No, look, don't get me wrong. Akira deserves every sort of praise and win that she gets in this challenge. She, first of all, it was the only sketch that had a, whether you agree with how good it is or not, it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay, you could follow the storyline, you knew what was going on, the characters were definitely delineated and well-developed. You can even say that for Evie. She was like sort of Mm -hmm. like a millennial, she played young. Like, it was very clear who the mom was and who the daughter was. Like, for being two amateurs who don't do sketch, it was actually very well done. 
Okay, I will give him that. And Akira did a great job. She had a developed character that was funny. My problem isn't with Akira doing that character, because I just praise Silky for doing essentially the same character. It's for the hypocrisy for criticizing Plastique earlier. That's where my problem is. Akira deserves the win. It was the it was the best get. I don't know if it was necessarily super funny, but it was the best of the four. Okay. Well, but she also would. They were assigned that skit too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think. But here's the deal. There should be a phrase: "Don't sleep on a Davenport." And what I mean is, a Carrie has been underestimated. And she's a Carriusy Davenport, and Kennedy Davenport, even on All Stars three and on her own season, was always, always underestimated. Both Uh Akaria and Kennedy, there's something about the Davenport girls, maybe because they have resting bitch face and not a lot of energy. They are underestimated along the entire way. Okay. And I've seen that theory earlier today on Reddit too. Oh, really? A lot of comparing Akira to Kennedy as far as seemed like low energy, but then turned it out on challenges and or looks. Yeah. Always remember Kennedy always, no matter what you think of personality, always crushed a comedy or acting challenge. Uh-huh. Always so good enough. Snatch game, everything, right? So uh-huh. uh, I think the same thing with Akuria. Don't sleep on these Davenports, man. They will sneak up behind you and they will be so, so good. But on the other end, don't criticize for someone for doing the same thing that essentially you're doing. Again, like I said earlier, I don't necessarily blame Akuria because RuPaul encouraged her to do so. All right, it's elimination day, and Nina is overanalyzing her own performance. Nina also feels like she was thrown to the side and left to dry when Brooke felt things were going well. Meanwhile, Silky is fooling around and not putting on makeup because the look this week is face keeny, and she is only going to apply minimum face. Plus, she doesn't think she's going to lip sync. Taylor, your thoughts on elimination day? The the Silky thing again. It goes back to arrogance. It goes back to that whole I don't have to do anything. I I've got it all in the bag. I you know I, that that was such an arrogance of I don't I don't even have to put on makeup to go out on the runway. I'm so confident at my job and so confident at what I've done and that they're just gonna love me no matter what. America's gonna love me and you and you and you. You're gonna love me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here it is. <laughs> I'm not the world's biggest Silky fan, but she's right. She is right. And we'll get to this during the judges' deliberation. We can talk about it here. Why would she need to put on face when she's not going to take her mask off, even if she lip syncs? Vanjie, who lip syncs, doesn't take her mask off. Okay, because everybody else, they expected a full look. And who a said full that? look. Huh? Who said that? Well, clearly the panel did. The pa- the panel did once they were all up there. No, but I think, and this is where we're going to get, I, I make, remind me to talk about Michelle during the judges panel. She was really a fucking annoying me this week, this Michelle Visage, because she's, she's clearly not a judge. She's a puppet for the producers and RuPaul. RuPaul just sits there and doesn't fucking say shit, right? Meanwhile, she's telling Michelle what to say during the judges panel, okay? And the producers too. So clearly... Someone told Michelle what happened in the makeup room, and then Michelle just suddenly decided to ask her about this makeup? That's fucking crazy-ass bullshit. It's stupid, and it's dumb. Silky's right. Why would she need to do full... Do you think... Okay, let me ask you this question. They said that this face kini was a throwback to last year. Do you think RuPaul was wearing full face uh, under that face kini last year? Your tone is awfully pointed right now. I'm not mad at you. Just very animated. (laughs) I know. I was making a joke. I was doing an Evan. 
I don't know what to say, so I just pull a random quote from this previous season out of the air. But Rue had something covering her eyes. That's the difference. Rue had that stupid welder's goggle over her face. So okay. whether she whether she was our eyes were done up or not, there was something that was taking away from the fact that she did or did not have makeup on. Mm-hmm. With Silky's mask, you could see bare eyebrow at that point. There was no there was no mascara. There was no eyeliner. There was nothing. When mm-hmm. everybody else, it'd be one thing if everybody else came out and nobody had anything over their eyes, that would be different. But the fact that she was the only one out of everybody that came out, she stands out and not in a good way. All right. Well, we'll have to agree that I'm right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about something else. This is also going in the, in the column of Brooke is a little piece of shit this week. All right. Okay. Brooke is making fun of this Nina in the confessional for being in her head about the sketch, right? Because Nina's nervous because she realizes she is the sugar in the sketch and that Brooke railroaded all over her in the sketch. And now Nina's like, well, fuck. I needed to do well in this sketch. I'm known for doing well in these sketches. And Brooke just railroaded me in this sketch. And she's nervous. And then Brooke in the confessional makes fun of her like, ugh. Nina is just always so in her head. Oh, my God. It's so funny. She's laughing hysterical like a crazy person. Does she remember the day before when she was, uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm, let's not play against type. I'm really nervous. I don't want to play against type. And was all up in her head. And Nina was the one who was her pal and was like, you know what? I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do that for you. And now the next day when Nina's kind of in her head because she got railroaded by the person that she helped, now Brooke's laughing at her in the confessional. I mean, a super fucking see you next Tuesday. What do you want to say, Taylor? Nothing. Why? <laughs> I, I agree with you. you. You made a valid point. Brooke, you made a I'm very not valid I dislike point. Brooke. I'm not saying I dislike Brooke. This week, they didn't portray her in the most positive light. That's what I'm saying. But then th- then they, they tried, like, where s- they kept talking about how Silky was doing her own thing, and they show, like, Sugar rolling her eyes and stuff like that, and how everybody's annoyed with it. But yet, like, Rue is, like, everything Rue does, she, like, throws her head back screaming laughing, thinking the Sugar's the funniest. It, it, it was a very... Silky. I'm sorry. Silky. It was a very confusing episode we talked we have talked about how with the use of music the use of edits the use of shots that kind of stuff tells you how you're supposed to feel in an episode and i left this episode not knowing how i was supposed to feel about half of the people that i thought i knew how i felt about them this entire time by the way i want to get into this before we we go into the patreon spiel is um clearly also this episode was meant to play in a bar and not home alone. Uh, Rumor Mill co-host Jorge Munoz told me that the bar was going ape shit for these sketches. I, this was me the whole time looking at it. So I wasn't amused. Yeah. All right. That was me for the reading challenge. I looked like I was constipated through the whole thing. Yeah. If you enjoy this show, you might want to think about supporting it to help us keep the lights on. How can you do this? Join us over at Patreon.com. There, if you sign up at the $3 Eat It level, you receive a brand new podcast in your own personal feed six out of seven days of the week. On top of that, everyone, by the way, $1, $2, everyone who, who pledges on Patreon gets access to live recordings and bonus content. Let me tell you something, Taylor. 
The yeah. Fatchler. Were you around for The Fatchler? No. So after the Fat Camp on Monday, uh-huh. Evan took off because it means like the second the show. By the way, Evan invited himself on this Fat Camp, and he acts like he's doing us the biggest favor being on this Fat Camp. He's like, I gotta go, guys, and hangs up right away, right? Mm-hmm. So Lori and I hung out for a while afterwards, and listener Josh Hedgepeth came on the air with us. Okay. okay? I don't know how this happened. We were just having him on just to talk to him. It turned into the dating game. All these people in the chat room got thirsty for him, and they started sending him pics. One person sent a dick pic, you know, uh... Uh, people were sending face shots, and now John, uh, and also Josh is bisexual, so women were sending in pictures. They want to go on dates with Josh. Men, everybody was going after this Josh Hedgepath. So next, so next Monday we're going to get a report on what's happened with uh, all that stuff. All right, okay. so that, that, that was an impromptu thing. So when you are a Patreon supporter, impromptu shows like that that just happened happened it was a lot of fun we're, i'm gonna really for those patreon supporters i'm gonna release on a patreon when i have a spare day probably monday morning to release it all right so for instance this episode you're listening to now is actually about 15 minutes longer than uh, for our patreon supporters not only that they get the episode commercial free so what are you waiting for head on over to patreon.com slash drag race recap and sign up at the three dollar level to get all this and more that's patreon.com slash drag race recap all right, now Taylor, it is now time for the looks. The looks. All right, very good. Now this week, the category is face kini fantasy. Face kini yeah. fantasy. What were your? You going to go through the looks, Taylor? Yeah. Do you want to just go through everybody's because there's only the eight? Or yeah, but we're you know we're at one forty two now. That's gonna that guy that that time is not accurate. You're gonna get a, a different time when you hear this. Yeah. Um, so why don't we buzz through it? But yeah, do you want me to read them? I have them order right here. Okay, yeah. All right, the first we have is Silky Nutmeg Ganache. She came down in a self-described fly outfit. Uh, I gave this score a five. I give but you are being generous because oh, I, really? I give this look a three. It Well, first off, it wasn't a fly. It was definitely a roach because it didn't have wings. Secondly... I think that was the it, cuntiest thing that Michelle said. I don't agree. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. The second part of that is it it had it committed a major sin for the runway. It looked so cheap. Mm-hmm. Okay, she looked like she was wearing pleather, and it just the whole look was just horrible. So it's a three for me. All right, very good. Next we have Sugar Cane. Uh, she was like a Victorian My Fair Lady face keeny kind of thing going. Uh, I gave it a seven. I actually really really liked it. Uh, the seven sounds good. Yeah, I would. I would definitely give it a seven. You have any other thoughts on it? I thought it was. I thought I love. I loved the silhouette of it. I thought it was a very original for Face Keeney, where you tend to think, you know, considering especially the club kid thing that Rue did last uh, last season, that you would kind of think almost like a modern look of things. So to take a Victorian style silhouette, mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting interesting spin on it. All right, very good. Next we have Brooklyn Heights. I don't even know how to describe Brooks' outfit. Like a clockwork zebra, because uh, there were clock, there were gears up up oh, the one sleeve and, oh, all, I, and I think on the one shoulder. Okay, so like yeah. okay, so like a, like a, like a mechanical. I want because I'm going to use clockwork for Nina West, so like a mechanical gear driven yeah. zebra. Okay, I gave it an eight. I really like this look, actually. Uh, I, I gave, gave it, it yeah, I gave it a nine. 
I thought that it was, I I really, it was probably my favorite look of the night. And of course, because, you know, Brooks White, she obviously gets a bonus point for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wait, oh wait, I feel like Taylor, you seem pressed about something right now. No, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I'm kidding. Though I did really like her outfit and I still, I still would give it a nine. All right. Vanessa Vangie Mateo's next. She was a sex toy dominatrix. Uh, it seemed really basic to me, yeah. and I'm not even going with like what Michelle was saying and whatnot. It it, it is just it was a six. I, six is exactly what I would give it as well. Wow, we are literally eye to eye on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Next we have Plastique Tiara. She has no face, Kenny. She's sort of like dominatrix kind of thing, right? It was reminiscent to me. What what score would you give it? Five. Five. It was. Reminiscent to me of the outfit that Aja went home in on her season. Yes, it was where, where Aja had the kind of the crazy blonde, like fried wig and the, and the skirt, the, mm-hmm. the skirt boning. Um, it was a neat look. The The makeup was interesting because it's sort of all of the makeup kind of bled away from the areas that you expected it to. Mm-hmm. So as a look, I would give this a seven for the challenge, I would give it a four. Interesting. That's probably where I got my five. Because I, I just did it in my score where it's like it would have been a seven, but I gave it a five because of the no yeah. face Because it, it was it didn't meet the criteria of the challenge. Yeah. So as for that, it should be on the lower end. But as far as the look goes, it's a seven, which on the one hand, had I not seen a look like that before, and I think executed better with Aja, it would have got a higher score. But it, this for this, it just kind of felt like something we've seen before. All right, very good. Next, we have a Curiosity Davenport. She's like in a plastic surgery outfit where it's just almost like she's like covered like a doll, like almost like a voodoo doll, but she's covered in like plastic surgery marks that a plastic surgeon might do before they do surgery on you. I gave it a five. They seem to be the judges seemed a lot happier about it than I was. I wasn't super into this look. What about you, Taylor? I wasn't super into it either. I didn't like, and I didn't like her walk. She kept occasionally she would walk, but then she'd do things like she was touching herself and then it was really sensitive. So she'd pull her arms away. It was a very odd, Mm -hmm. odd style. Um, I have seen a, speaking of Michelle, I have seen a post on Reddit in which they, they use her quote for that. This is something we've never seen before. And then they immediately go to the, uh, when Pearl did the um, conjoined twins challenge and they did something similar and she read pretty much the same look to filth. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it, it's uh, some of the hypocrisy in what Michelle said. This show, I this, saw that on Reddit This episode today. has a lot of hypocrisy in it. Oh, because you know yeah. what? I didn't mention this. Oh, well, I'll talk about it after. I'm going to talk about it in the part where we talk about this stuff. Sorry. Okay. Um, but okay. The last one is Evie Oddly. We missed another one or were you saving that for later who nina oh my gosh i did miss nina west i no, I, that was by accident let's talk about nino oh but you have something you wanted to say about this so why don't we do evie oddly okay and then we'll go back to nina west all right e- evie oddly uh she was like a sexy um no oh, that's a that's an opinion Oh, I'm just, just I'm, I'm using the description they had for themselves a sexy monster from the black lagoon um I like the colors. I think I like. I gave it a six. I, probably, uh, I could be convinced of a five, but I gave it a six. No, that's 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 a three. I, oh, I didn't really? like it. I didn't like the look. I didn't like the color combination. Um, the lips. I get what she was trying to do, but she just it looked 
it looked like it hurt. It looked like it was hurting her mouth. And that, then the, I'm distracted at that point thinking that she's cutting into her mouth. And that's not something I want to look at. So now. All right. So finally, now there's a controversy that just erupted today on uh, the Internet about this look. So why don't we discuss the look and then I'll fade out. We'll go into the controversy. Nina West. She did like a Lee Bowery inspired, inspired clockwork orange look with a little bit of Mr. Peanut with the mustache. I loved it. I gave it a nine. I thought it was fantastic. I, I would give this look a nine as well. I, 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 that was, this was, this was one of the few looks that I literally went, Ooh, as soon, as soon as she came out, because it was one of the things that I've seen a lot to describe it is very polished mm-hmm. as far as it looked very well tailored. And especially when they've been talking about proportionizing with her and everything, I thought it was a great look. There's something I love the look of a bowler hat. Mm hmm particularly when it's used well. And this was used in such an interesting, creative way that it definitely was something that I really, really, I really liked. The only reason I didn't give it a 10 was I would have liked to have seen a little more color, particularly maybe some sort of color, like a pop of color that didn't go with the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So even if it was something where she had a flower in her lapel that was like a bright, like lime green or a bright blue or something that would have just been something that would have just given it that one little point over the edge. It would have been a perfect look for me, mm-hmm. but otherwise I thought it was a great, great look. All right. Very good. Now that's the look, but we're going to continue talking about this look with a controversy that erupted today on the internet. Taylor, go ahead. See what you, give me your two. Yeah. Seconds. So apparently she, so uh, another queen over in the UK, Marnie Scarlet posted pictures of herself from 10 years ago and pretty much accused Nina of stealing her idea of a look, even though Nina said that she originally got the look from Lee Bowery mm-hmm. um, for many, many years ago mm-hmm. and going to the place, the, the difference between uh Brooke and the accusations of stealing or the actual stealing of uh, jokes and stuff, Nina handled this almost immediately. Not only where she commented on Marnie, um, what did I just say? Marnie Scarlet's page, but also was quick to add pictures of not only Marnie Scarlet, but other queens who have worn similar outfits and made them all as sort of a little portfolio on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And said it was, you know, it was never my intention you know, I think it's great that we've all been inspired by Lee Bowery. And she said it in a way that should come as no surprise to anybody who is a fan of Nina, that it seemed very, very gracious, very, you know, not trying to get defensive, just kind of very open as far as that this was this is what I was going for. Mm-hmm. I definitely see the similarities. You know, please, everybody support not only Marnie Scarlet, but other creative queens that have gone to the same way. So I thought, considering everything we've seen about Brooke and Brooke's lack of comments on mm-hmm. jokes that she's she's used to see this, I think was it was it was a definite juxtaposition. Um, yeah. And, you know, to, to kind of talk about what you were saying earlier, I think Nina West did a really, really good job addressing it. And it's good that she addressed it. Someone in the chat room was saying, oh, come on, Joe. Um, they're, Brooke's a drag queen. Why do you expect them to have original jokes? I think it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, it's the same thing here. Wouldn't you, couldn't you, in theory, say the same thing here? Like, oh, come on, Joe, they're drag queens. How can you expect them to have original looks? And there's a difference between being inspired by something and then outright stealing it. And even Nina, you said, uh, admitted, and well, not even admitted, but like, you know, 
gave Lee Bowery the credit for the inspiration. I don't mind being inspired, but at least give the person credit. Like I told you, I literally rip off the jokes. It's literally, I take the person's joke from Reddit and I put it on Instagram. However, I give them credit. That's the yeah. problem is they don't give, Brooke did not give credit. They, at least not what we saw on the show. And she hasn't gone to social media and said the same thing and said like, yeah, I did do that. Right. Okay. Uh, well, good on Brooke, and also Shea Kale. I think you, you mentioned this uh, uh, came to her defense, and yes, and I've, I saw yeah, that yeah. on Reddit earlier yeah. as well. So uh, Luke Stammen says Nina is a class act. She sure is. Okay, um, let us move on. On the main stage, Michelle is problematic, while Evie and Nina were immediately called safe and sent backstage. Akuria and Brooke were high. Like, placed high. They weren't actually, like, high. <laughs> Silky was somewhere in the middle. Suga, Plastique, and Vanjie were low. After the deliberations, Akaria was named the winner of the challenge, while Plastique and Vanjie were forced to go head-to-head in a lip-sync battle for their lives. The song? Hoot Boy by Fantasia Barino. In the end, Vanjie lived to see another day, while Plastique Tiara was asked to sashay away, Tale of the Latte Boy. Any final thoughts on the episode? We had a double Shantae you stay last week. Mm-hmm. This could have easily been a double sachet sachet away. Yeah, this would have been the one to both do of it. Them. You're right. Yeah. It was not talk about a forgettable forgettable song. I've never heard that song in my life. It was an annoying song. It, neither one of them were very good. Um you can definitely see where Vanjie had the advantage between the two. Mm-hmm. Because also with that, Vanjie also was able to emote a little bit more and with a mask on as compared to Plastique, who had taken the taken the mask off. Mask, I use that in rabbit ears. Um, just very not good. Just not, mm-hmm. not good. But I, I went into this figuring there's no way they're going to have lip syncs at the level of last week's two weeks in a row. But that went from a lip sync that was like a 10 to a lip sync that was like a two. Mm-hmm. I was figuring, oh, this week's lip sync will be like a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. No, it, it plummeted. I can't imagine. I, I don't know who's going home next. I don't know the order of the people. Like I know, you know, who's going home, who went and all that kind of stuff. I can't see Vanjie lasting much longer. And I don't want you to make some statement of, I guess we'll find out. I don't, I don't want you to say anything. It's just, uh, she's losing her luster for me. I'm giving, I'm giving Taylor the most stone cold. Yes, I'm, giving, I'm, I'm getting giving you resting any, bitch face from Joe. Right? Yeah, now. RBF because I don't want to give. I don't want to tip my hand on anything. All right. So anyway, um, all right. Very, look, that you're entitled to that opinion. Very good. I mean, I don't. Dis- I don't disagree. I think I'll be I'll be honest with you. I don't I think Vanjie has gotten a pass a lot on this season. I think the pass is starting to run out. Yeah. You well, know? it feels like the, it almost feels like they've kept her around because there's no way Rue was going to take the chance of bringing back this one episode queen from last season and only have her last two or three episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, look, and- uh, up until now, though, I think Vanjie has made a case to be there. No, we're, we're, and no. I agree with that, but she hasn't made a case for me to be top four. No, no, you're right. I agree. With so you. Let alone the crown. Mm-hmm. You I know, don't, I, don't I, I, I just feel like her time is 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 running out. All right, very good. Uh, any other thoughts on this episode? Just 
not the, the the untucked was that's 30 minutes of my life i'll never get back i turned it off yeah i figured at one point i was waiting to get the text message you saying if there's something i need to know but i, I got about halfway through and thought no that's is okay this yeah. was another one of these episodes where i at one point we we had an internet problem um where all of a sudden the show like kind of paused for a second so we had to like leave the show and then come back in and it said something like one hour seven minutes left because i guess it included that and untucked all together as oh, one yeah. big thing on direct tv mm-hmm. and i went that's that's got to be wrong it can't only be nine fifty three. and looked at my phone and was like you've got to be fucking kidding like this is ridiculous that it just that it was an episode that just took forever what did you think of cheyenne jackson and fortune themester i well you know i talked about this yesterday on the first response but fortune themester i thought was a really 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 good judge to have on there because i don't know why they didn't play this up but she is a very very experienced uh sketch comedian she knows her fucking shit it she's in the sunday company for the groundlings which is one of if not the most prestigious you know sketch groups in the country and uh, you don't just get there resting on your laurels. I mean, they have a really good taste. I mean, they rejected Lori Roggenkamp. So, uh, <laughs> but no, but no, actually, not, to speak to Lori Roggenkamp, I, I said this in the show, very, 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 very funny, famous people have been rejected by the Sunday company. They only have so many spots. Yeah. And so uh, Fortune is very funny. I think she was a good person to have on there, had really good insight. Cheyenne Jackson was surprisingly very good, Hold his, held his own, showed his acting chops. We forget that Cheyenne Jackson is actually a respected actor with Broadway experience. And usually when you're an actor, you do take some sort of m- improv and sketch comedy to kind of bone up those uh, those skills. And uh, I actually thought Natasha Lyonne was very good, too. Yeah. I, I've never been a really big fan of hers, but I enjoyed her as a judge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought all the judges did a great job, and I thought they, on the sketches they did. A, they, I was thinking Fortune and Cheyenne could easily have been on Reno Nine One One. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, okay, you know, I got a very nice email from someone who pointed out that they said essentially, you know, speaking of hypocrisy, uh, the person's name is where are you? Why can't I find you? Oh, Samantha. Samantha, a woman named Samantha wrote uh, a very nice email where she was saying that there is hypocrisy because, speaking about Brooke stealing jokes, that uh, Manila Luzon in episode 8 of season 3 was actually put in the bottom 2 for your favorite lip sync because in that comedy challenge, the judges thought her jokes weren't very original. I went back and watched it. It's not the same. They didn't accuse Manila of stealing the jokes. I think they were more accusing her of having like hacky jokes. You know, like overdone jokes that we've all heard a million times, grown-worthy jokes. So it wasn't yeah. quite stealing it and not giving credit. It was just more for doing hacky jokes. Um, okay. And I also want to address something else that I'll probably address in depth on the rumor mill. But before we do Taylor, and I know you, everyone should know I've known Taylor for a long time. I've been doing podcasts with him for a long time. You seem pressed. What is going on? Share your feelings. There's, not, there's nothing to share. I... I I feel I feel certain ways about things. No, that that sounds that doesn't sound the way I mean it does. But when th- when things are, when race comes up on this show, mm-hmm. it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous, and I don't necessarily like talking about it because 
I get that. I, I, I just don't, I just don't like talking about it. That's all. Well, look, I'm going to use, you know, I've never had a private conversation about this, but if I had to guess, I <laughs> so get, I'm glad we're doing this now publicly with yeah, I get, well, you don't think Gage, I get the sense that you feel that I could be totally putting words in your mouth mm-hmm. that you feel as a white man, you do not have a, not that you don't have an opinion on race, but that you aren't, you are not allowed a platform to share your opinions on race. Is this true? To a degree. But I would degree. say, as the president of people of color, <laughs> that I think – now, I can only speak for myself. I think what people of color – at least for me – I know there are people of color who would be like, no, white people can never talk on race. For me personally, it's when you get into white – not you, when people get into white splaining that it becomes problematic. But uh, – but if you have thoughts that it doesn't go into white splain, I don't think you should be afraid whatsoever. Well, okay. I I appreciate that. And I Okay. Yeah, unless unless you start the comment with you people, <laughs> you know, I think I think you're or, go- or those people. Or those people. Because I'm gonna get into race right now again. And I would love for you to engage, but if you're too nervous, that's fine. No, go ahead, it's fine. <laughs> This Michelle Visage, she can go fuck herself, right? Okay. Because she, Plastique says, now I'm not saying whether Plastique is lying. I'm not saying whether Plastique is telling the truth. But on this main stage, Plastique Tiara says, that is my real accent. And Michelle tells her, no, it's not. Who the fuck are you, Michelle Visage, right? Because you don't think... Uh, British people, uh, um, when they when they're doing an accent, you know it. Uh, they're and especially when you are a a, a person of a certain race, especially with a th- strong accent that you have been, um, uh, made fun of your whole life. You learn to hide it or try to hide it to try and pass. And so even now, Plastique has a slight accent, but. One could make the argument, and I'm not saying this is true or not, I'm just saying the only person who really knows is Plastique. Yeah. And for Michelle to sit there and say, no, that is not true, what the fuck does she know, right? Yeah. And I think that was offensive to not accept Plastique at her work. Now, look, it could turn out that Plastique is lying. I'm not saying Plastique's telling the truth, Right. And maybe mm-hmm. Plastique. And I and I'll be honest with you, I do think now I do think there is a possibility that Plastique is putting on a white voice for the show because she doesn't want to have that thick Vietnamese accent on the show. But I do also think that she did that joke as a joke. She was flounder- floundering in the sketch and she went to the easy joke with the with the with the accent. She just did it. Yeah. Vanjie was I'm not gonna start from a ten and start it from a ten, right? So yeah. I do think that, but I think it's a very complicated situation. But it, what I'm offended by is Michelle telling a person who's Asian what the, what their background is, what they're doing, whether they're doing it or not. She just the truth is she doesn't know, you know. And what yeah. you know, and Michelle actually, I really liked what Michelle said at one point. Michelle said uh, that the difference between Asian stereotype versus Asian pride. But my question, and it still applies, is why can't this? apply to the other people of color on the show too i just sort of feel 
and I'm not coming down on black people or Latinos or any other race, but I do feel Asians have a very, very, very tough time on this show. And to come down on an Asian person and tell them the difference between Asian pride and Asian stereotype, you know, I was it's telling you. It's a privileged you, statement. It's, it's very much a, a statement of somebody of privilege. It, and, and actually, it, 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 I didn't mean this. I just realized it right now. It's the kind of conversation where I was saying, unless you go into this territory, that's when you get into dangerous territory. Michelle Visage, in this case, is the prime example of, I'm going to white explain to you how you are. No, I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> like, yeah. why are you to lecture her from your judge's table? That would be as if, like, I lectured her about how she thinks that crystals will solve your diseases, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's sort of my problem with what Michelle said, and she can officially go fuck herself. I know there are a lot of Michelle fans. Um, the email address is allrightmary at gmail.com. <laughs> Feel free to send all your... Your hate uh, there. Uh, Taylor, is there anything else for this episode that you want to talk about? No. No, well, I think we've re- I think we've talked a lot about a subpar episode. We've kind of beat this one to death. Well, there were a lot of topics. By the way, I do recognize that we didn't talk about the whole controversy with pla- uh, uh, Silky speaking in uh, Japanese to a Vietnamese person and all this drama. Look, at the end of the day... Uh, Plastique didn't seem to have a problem with it. She was laughing along. Silky was fine. Everyone should mind their own fucking business. Um, all right. Do you have any thoughts on that, Taylor? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then that's going to conclude this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Join us next week and every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 11. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself... Sashay away until next week. Want to share your thoughts about Drag Race? Email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Drag Race Recap. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drag race recap. For bonus content and to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash drag race recap. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My Copilot, and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Twitter and Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batance. That's B-E-T-A-N-C-E. The outro music was written by Lucian Piani and arranged and performed by Alex Lefebvre. You can find Alex Lefebvre on Instagram at Alex Lefebvre Music. To find all of our old episodes, visit our website at DragRaceRecap.com. You can also find other Afterthought Media shows like Hello Uglies at HelloUglies.com and Catching Up at CatchingUpPodcast.com. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media production. <laughs>